This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 107, Agenda Phase Strategy. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. I think with this one, I think this time, Hunter, there's no messing around here. We got business because there's so much happening this week that we got to freak out and tell everybody about all the business, and I want them to know it right away. I don't want anyone skipping through 10 seconds at a time and then miss the important business oh, yeah, that we yeah, have yeah. to attend to. You know what I mean? That 10-second button is do or die today, so yeah. it's, it's um, time to get, get down to work. Oh, okay, cool. All right, well, uh, I'm, this I'm is... like, I'm super serious today, and, and this is the energy I'm bringing to the podcast. Yeah, that's I like that energy because this has been the first week where <laughs> you're my boss, and I am your lowly servant. Exactly. Uh, and it's been fun. Every morning, I message Matt and say, clocking in, boss, and then... Yeah. I get to work, and he loves it. It's truly Uh, irritating. (laughs) Yep, he loves the dynamic, because he'll just be like, in his life, you know, and then he just gets a random notification of me being like, yep, look at me doing stuff in my underwear. And and because you're two hours, like, what, ahead, behind, I don't know how to call it, it's like noon or 1 p.m. for me and you're like clocking in i'm like okay well that's awfully late in the day it's not actually for you at all it's fine but right (laughs) yeah it's funny um well so the first big thing that we got to cover that we just got to get out is um we are going to announce right now the day that the tournament signups are going to be sent out um this is important important for everyone that is in the patreon that is trying to get into the tournament the signups are going to be emailed to your Patreon email address at uh, on November 8th at noon uh, Pacific Standard Time. They'll also be sent uh, to your Patreon through a Patreon message as well. Right. Yeah, you'll get you'll get essentially two messages. Uh, and this is, again, if you've already signed up for the Patreon, you are fine. You will get the message. If you are signing up for it during the month of November, if you like just signed up for it like the uh, like two days ago, you will still get a message. Uh the big thing here is we are cutting off the tournament at 216 people. Uh, a month and a half ago, we had no idea if we would even have any chance of maybe getting to 216, but we've had a really wonderful reaction. We're incredibly thankful to everybody who has signed up to the Patreon in the last month with the obvious intent of wanting to get in on the tournament, and we are now afraid that 216 might get hit very, very quickly. So yes. that's why we're, 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 we were almost going to do it kind of like a lazy, just like, all right, let's send out that thing now, but we realized it, it is only... Uh, honest if we set an official time and date for you to be paying attention to your email so that you can be ready to pull the trigger on getting in the tournament. Uh, So again, noon Pacific Standard on November 8th, uh, we will send it to your email address as well as your Patreon message. Now, what that email will contain is a link to a Google form that you can fill out, and part of the requirements of that Google form is you including your email address. The email address that you include in that form should match with your Patreon's email address. Uh, Don't think you can try to sign up a second person with a different email address if they don't have a a Patreon. Uh, We will be checking that, so I want to get that kind of out of the way. You do need to make sure they match, otherwise it'll end up getting flagged and and you might not end up in the tournament. So make sure you're using the same email address for both uh, the form and your Patreon. Yep. 
Yep. Um, I am. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I am uh, freaking out, and I think I I'm kind of like really expecting us to hit 216 way faster than we could have ever uh, hoped, which is like the coolest thing in the world because that's that's last year was like the biggest Twilight Imperium tournament that's ever been held, and we will double it this year if, yep. if we hit this goal, which kind of blows my mind. Yeah, uh, super super duper insane. Yeah. Um, so yeah, please, uh, if you are if you if if you really want to get into this tournament, please be hot on the trigger. Just freaking get at your email on noon on a Friday. Filling out the Google form will not take very much time. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Yep. Um, yep. So just get in, do that, and uh, I am excited to see you all uh, at the tournament. Um, yeah. The other thing is, obviously, if you are still kind of on the fence, um, go ahead and get your your patronage yeah. into get the in patreon and then get ready for this noon sign up yeah. uh, we will i think try and be as vocal as possible if for some reason we get a mad dash and everything yep. fills up in a couple days we will try and let everyone know there's yeah. obviously going to be a weird little gap there um but yeah that is the goal is to try and do this as as straightforward and with enough foresight yeah. uh, as possible keep an eye on our twitter keep an eye on the discord we'll try to keep people you know abreast of how many signups have happened you know if we if we hit certain thresholds we'll try to let people know like hey only this many more signups left um for those of you at weird time zones where 12 pacific is like in the middle of the night i wouldn't freak out too much i don't think we're gonna have all 216 signups within like four hours or anything no, i think you'll have a day or like two that. but try to do it within 24 hours right so this weekend this friday slash saturday depending on how that times out for your time zone be prepared to try to sign up that day uh, yeah. uh t- take a minute the sign up form isn't super long it'll probably take you about three minutes to fill out or so uh so yeah that's that is happening this weekend yeah uh, the other little announcement that we have this is just a small thing but we got an email and wanted to plug this fun event that uh people put out for us uh back to the board in halifax and that's halifax uk not not the what canadian halifax i guess it's the other one halifax in the uk has an event uh on november 9th this coming saturday uh and it's a 24-hour twilight imperium charity marathon hosted by back to the board there is an event on facebook please go check that out they're just looking to get more and more people involved in it so we wanted to to go ahead and put that pitch out there if you live in the uk and you are near halifax look for that event yeah that's awesome that's super cool um god i cannot believe that the tournament is coming up already that we are already yeah, at we're basically two months time. away yeah Whew, i feel so not ready um yeah <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, luckily we have plenty of time. Uh, for people just kind of curious how scheduling will go, we get that question a lot. It is going to be, we'll work with you, right? You're not going to get assigned a time, and if you can't make that time, you're out of the tournament. Like we 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 try to make it as open as we can. We will be working with uh, part of the sign up form is you telling us when you are most often available. We'll try to build schedules off of that. We'll send out invites. The way it kind of works is like we will put out a pitch to players available at a certain time of like hey we are trying to set up a game for this day this time are you available and based on those responses we put together that six player game so it is a little bit of a fluid process scheduling these games it's it's only necessary for ti this does not work like any other tournament where it's just like this date this time this is so big that we have to be a little bit more lenient with how we end up scheduling it so as long as you get into the tournament we will do our best to try and find a time for you to get your game in right um the other thing I wanted to call out that I feel like uh, 
we haven't been talking about that much in, with regards to the tournament is that if Tabletop Simulator is like a new, oh, yeah. um, a, a new experience to you, uh, we have, I think, two different videos now. One is like more a more updated version of the yeah. first. I, yeah. yeah. Check, um, check, check our YouTube channel. Root put together a really great updated tutorial. It covers everything, so you don't even have to watch the original one that Root and I both did. Oh, Just right, watch right, the right. one that Root did. It covers everything you need to know about Tabletop Simulator. Uh, and definitely watch that beforehand. Try to get in practice games. That's why we're two months out. You know, Start getting your, your feet wet with Tabletop Simulator because it is a little bit of a learning curve. Um, also, things like checking that your internet Internet connection can handle it that your computer can handle it or mm-hmm. finding an alternative we had some issues last year with people trying to sort of last minute find alternatives because their system maybe wasn't up to snuff uh right. tabletop simulator as a game isn't very intensive on a computer but the twilight imperium mod is pretty huge uh, and so sometimes it can cause people's uh, computers to chug a little bit. So definitely check on that um, and, and see maybe there's people locally in your area that can help you out. Um, but we, we want everyone to get in there and we don't want sh- we, we, we really don't want your first time playing on Tabletop Simulator to be in your prelim game for the tournament. That, that yeah. would not be ideal uh, for yourself and for just kind of the pace of that game. Uh, it'll yeah. slow things down a lot. So do yourself a service and and get in some practice games on Tabletop Simulator. I'll, I'll also throw out this kind of olive branch. If, you are, if you're interested in the tournament, but you've never played uh, TI on Tabletop Simulator before, um, if you want to just message me on Discord um, and say, hey, uh, I am trying to play a game of Twilight Imperium with other people that are doing the tournament that are like new to TTS... Uh, I would totally love to try and put together some games of just like newer players to just kind of get you guys up to speed with TTS and get you comfortable with it. Um, I wouldn't just like hook you up with a bunch of like super experienced TTS people (laughs) that are going to get like, you know, super annoyed by like the slowness or whatever. But I would love if I could just get a lot of newer people just kind of hitting me up and I will connect you guys with each other. And hey, if I'm free, I might even just play with you because, you know, I'm not, you know, I suck at this game. That's kind of a weird (laughs) And you're like not doing secret. anything else. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I'm not doing anything else. So I might as well do that. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't hesitate to uh, reach out to me if you have any kind of questions about uh, the tournament or just like any kind of pre-concerns, stuff like that. Just, especially, yeah. I mean, if you're new to the community, I totally yeah. want to make this as new uh, person friendly yeah. as possible. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's Let's get into the show show. Uh, right. Today, uh, keeping with the Patreon theme, we did a, this is a Galactic Council episode again. We got yeah. another one. We're, we're sticking, we are so far two for two uh, months in a row of actually doing these Galactic Council episodes on time. So yeah, we'll see if we buddy. can do a third one next month. Uh, but the Galactic Council voted on uh, this fun topic, which is a f- agenda phase strategy. Uh, so this will be kind of a back to basics, uh, breaking down the agenda phase. We're going to talk about how to best regulate the agenda phase, as well as a lot of things to be keeping in mind as you're going through the agenda phase. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a thing that I think a lot of players approach, and it's like their favorite part of the game, but also in a lot of games, it kind of falls apart really easily. There's a lot of weird things that, like happen in the agenda phase that like maybe feel more nebulous than they are and it's just sort of like what are we doing here and i think for a lot of groups the agenda phase can take like 45 minutes on its own and it's just sort of like man i i I think there's some people that have like a love-hate relationship with the agenda phase so i think we really want to break things down so that people have a better grasp of like hey how can you expedite the agenda phase and how can you make things happen a little bit quicker a little bit smoother and maybe uh have things happen in your favor more often than you're used to 
Oh, for sure. Uh, I also kind of want to take us back to our roots real quick and call out that the original reason that we got excited about Twilight yeah. Imperium was essentially, I mean, the agenda phase didn't exist yet, but right. it was because of the politics phase um, yep. that was the TI3 version of the agenda phase before it became like its own thing that happened every round, right. basically. That was our jam. Basically, the way it was yeah. presented to us is, what if you had a board game where every round you and all the other players decided to change the rules of the board game yeah. and make it a different game. Not all agendas are that extreme, but some of them are that extreme. And, yeah, some of them uh, are insane. That's that's always been kind of our go-to favorite thing about it. Uh, TI4, uh, the fact that they forced it to be an every round kind of thing, obviously after you've taken Mechatol Rex, but then from that point on, every round you're doing two agendas, that's just all the juicier, and that has certainly been one of my favorite aspects of ti4 as a game is just yeah. like how much of that happens and how critical to the pace of the game the agenda phase now is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i feel like i could never go back at this point i just yeah. like oh I, absolutely i gotta have it this way basically forever um yeah. so do we want to get into like the how of agenda phases yeah like we're yeah. gonna we're gonna get pretty basic with this we're gonna try and break down um just the agenda phase in general like the order of everything um a lot of this stuff I think will be really helpful for people that are excited about the tournament because yeah. this is essentially us laying out like this is exactly how we're going to run the agenda phase in the tournament. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you kind of need to know these timing windows for a lot of our more experienced listeners. A lot of this is like, yeah, I know. Like, right, it's, right. This is the order of everything. But um, but let's talk about basically. So there, there's a procedure that is now commonly done in the agenda phase and the rules are weird about it because it's not like they explicitly say you have to do it like this way. But if you want to follow the rules kind of to a T and if you're trying to regulate like player behavior, it is easiest and in some ways quickest to go about it this way. I think for some groups, this is way slowing down how fast the agenda phase can go. Because right. for a lot of groups, it's just like, all right, the agenda phase has started. Who wants to play a card? All right, you played your cards. Cool. Let's start voting. Um, and that is that is fine, actually. You, you can absolutely play the game that way, and it's not actually hurting anything. But sometimes there's sort of a chicken in the egg situation of when certain action cards get played. And that is what has kind of generated this this more strict procedure of how people run the agenda phase just to make sure like no one is missing or misunderstanding right. timing windows right so the biggest thing to understand is the agenda phase we run it in such a way that is dictated by action cards that could be played during the agenda phase that's why mm -hmm. you don't see this breakdown in the rule book or on your little command sheet where it like breaks down the agenda i don't even know if the agenda phase is listed on that command sheet but but anywhere where you see the agenda phase you're not going to see these timings listed out because these are more built off of what timings action cards use uh, and and different abilities so let's just break down real quick how, how do you do an agenda or how do you do an, an agenda phase? So the first thing is you will have just finished a status phase and Mechatol Rex will have been taken, right? That's like the most important thing is you don't start doing agenda phases until Mechatol Rex custodian's token has been taken and set off to the side because someone gained a point off of it. Now, this time after the status phase, you will start agendas. And the first thing you do is 
you don't technically have to like sit there and go, okay, let's wait for this. But what most people say is, okay, this is the start of the agenda phase. Does anyone want to play an action card? Because there is one singular action card <laughs> that timing window is at the start of the agenda phase. And that is ancient burial sites. And that's the action card that lets you exhaust someone's cultural planets. The whole point of this being important timing window is these are cultural planets that that player is not going to get to spend on either vote. So you have right. to do it before any agenda has been revealed at all. They're not supposed to have any information on what the agenda is before they're allowed to burn someone's votes. So you're burning cultural planets and you do it before you've revealed a single agenda. Agenda phase has started. Someone plays at ancient burial sites. Okay, now it's time to move on. The first thing you do after that is reveal your first agenda. Now, immediately after that, you read all the text of the agenda, give everyone kind of a second to understand like what the implications of that agenda are, but then you have essentially two different timings things, and what we do is we sort of do a a round-robin, it's almost like Dune's bidding phase, to be honest. Uh, The the more we've been learning Dune, it's basically the exact same procedure, Um, but... You have the when an agenda is revealed timing window, and then after that, you have the after an agenda is revealed timing window. Those are two distinct things in the rulebook, and most players have just decided to make that a process to, okay, let's handle the whens first, and once everyone has played a when, then we can now play an after. So the whens are uh, Xtra's ability quash, the uh, promissory note political secret, and technically the action card veto even though veto uh in almost any copy i'm pretty sure every copy i don't think they've done any reprints on veto uh the card will say after but the rule book has eroded it to be the same timing as quash because they're essentially quash and veto are the same ability and it didn't actually make sense for them to be two separate timing windows right so it's been fixed veto is now supposed to be a when so that is the first major trick uh, of, of Twilight Imperium just completely basically lying to you. Uh, <laughs> so the, what we do is you start with the speaker because speaker is sort of regarded as the active player. When you, when you do action cards, you do them in speaker order. Uh, so the speaker gets the opportunity to play a when. If they decline, you pass to the next person in speaker order. And the way it works is everyone gets an opportunity to do a full round of playing a card. And what I mean by that is, let's say speaker doesn't play a card, the second player doesn't play a card, the third player plays a card. Then you give the fourth player an option, the fifth player an option, and the sixth player an option. And because the third player played a card, you go back around and you give the first player another option. And then you give the second player another option. And then you give the third player a final option. So the whole point being, you do not move on from the whens until all six players in a row have all declined to play another ability. Yes. Uh, The way we've done this on Tabletop Simulator is you actually have a little token that you flip to a, like, I decline to play a card. Like, I'm I'm not playing a card right now. And you flip that to its side when you're, like, not playing anything. And when all of those things are flipped, that's when we move on. Uh, So you do that for the whens. Then you do it again for the afters. And I know this all sounds incredibly arduous and slow, but you can get to it pretty quickly, especially because the whens usually go fast because there's not that many abilities that actually pop off in that timing window. Yeah, Most people don't po- end up with other people's political secrets. Right, right. They're just not popular abilities. Quash yeah. is something that's only going to happen in a blue moon. There's only one veto card in yep. the action card deck. And political secret is just the least popular promissory note. Right. So there you go. You'll get through that fast. It's the yeah. afters that take forever. 
Yes, the afters take forever because the afters are all of the writers, right? Those action cards that are political writer, imperial writer, construction writer, uh, and then also the action card assassinate representatives, which allows you to make someone not allowed to vote. So we do the exact same sort of thing. Speaker, do you want to play a card? And we go around and around and around until in a row, all six players has have declined to play a card. The way we really regulate it is you only play one card at a time. So the speaker can play their first card, and when it comes back around them, they are allowed to play a second rider and they can play that second rider on a different outcome than their first one or they can play it on the same outcome it doesn't matter you can pick any outcome and there's no better time to play a rider than when you've already played a rider right i mean if, if you're already out of the vote you might as well mm-hmm. kind of commit to it depends on what you're trying to get out of it there's there's all sorts of things to talk about there but in general you can play multiple riders and you go around and around and around and around until everybody all in a row have declined to play any more cards. Uh, the last player who played a card will be the last player to decline, basically. Right. Then and then, and then what? Is there is there anything else you have to do? It feels that's like it. they've that's done the a lot. end of the agenda phase. No, yeah. of course. Then now is time to vote, starting with the left of the speaker. So this is the only time in this process where the speaker doesn't get the first option. Now that we will be last, and you start to the left of the speaker, doing all of the normal stuff you know how to do. You flip planets to spend those votes uh, not spend technically but to use those votes towards an outcome of the agenda and you give each player an option to vote until the speaker votes and then that's it and then you finish that agenda you resolve the outcome then you resolve all of the action cards that were based on that outcome sometimes this is important depending on usually it has to do with how tech is is being done you know if if one person is getting a tech off of the agenda and then getting a tech off of a tech writer you do get to use the tech from the agenda as a prerequisite for the writer because it happened before does that make sense yes so so the outcome happens first then the writers then we just finished the first agenda time to reveal a second agenda do everything rinse and repeat Uh, except for Ancient burial sites. <laughs> Except for the ancient, yeah, the, the ancient burial sites is the only one that is at the start, the start of the of entire the whole, phase, the whole phase and does not get repeated for the second agenda. Right. Um, and if that sound, if that is not how you play, don't worry, you're not doing it wrong. Yeah. It's fine, basically. Yeah, it, I, it and really, actually, I kind of wanted to throw out what are some pros and cons of this approach. I feel like the con is obvious. It's a little tedious. Yep. And it takes a little bit of time. The pro is. You're not. There's no angle shooting in this. Basically, right. this eliminates exactly. angle shooting as an option. Right. Um, well, except it doesn't eliminate it as a possibility, but it yeah. eliminates it as something that the rules are just going to make happen. Right. Angle shooting can happen because people misplay or, or whatever, but that's just right. people stuff. Um, <laughs> if you if if you do decide like, no, I kind of like just playing kind of loosey goosey. Everybody just plays cards in whatever order makes right. sense or whatever. That is kind of the thing. You you are leaving it open for a player to kind of angle and and get information that they wouldn't normally have. Um, right. If you played it to a T. So this is right. how to play to a T. This is how we're going to play it in the tournament. And this right. is how most uh, TTS games do it as well. The big thing that ends up happening with this is it gives it gives people with analysis paralysis a little bit more of an opportunity to see what is happening and make a decision rather than having the entire weight of all of the possibilities at their disposal, right? The biggest thing being something like a construction writer. It's not the most powerful writer, uh, but you might want to play it against something, but you you don't want to be the first one to play a construction writer. You kind of want to see which way things are going to go, and if like two or three people have already played a writer, that influences where you want to put your writer, Mm -hmm. right? So having a distinguished 
order of who is supposed to play a card first helps just sort of mitigate any people playing weird. Uh, yeah. It's not even to say that, like, there's plenty of groups where it's okay if people are playing weird and you just suck it up. But but with a tournament, we've decided to regulate it more purely because it, it, helps, it actually helps us move things along faster. If you are properly moderating this method, it can go pretty quickly. It's when nobody's really taking charge of it and making it happen that it goes really slow. So the number one thing with this method is I highly suggest... Like either having it be the speaker or having that one person in your group that knows the rules best be the person that just moderates this and says, okay, it is now your turn to vote. Okay, it is now your turn to vote. Like And, and pointing it out to each person, making it really clear who the action is on at what time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I also like about it is it, it just feels fair. Like it has, yeah. a, it has a fairness to it that it doesn't feel arbitrary at all. It's just like everyone always knows exactly where they are in the order of decisions. Yep. Um, which I think is, and, and it also it, what I like about every little phase of this is that the speaker is kind of always in the most advantageous position. Right. So right. when we're doing the when and afters, the speaker goes first so that they can pretty much always decline, right. um, and force the other players to make a decision on whether we're going to do a bunch of riders on this or not. So yep. they get to al- almost always a hundred percent of the time see, other people throw their riders down before yeah. the speaker has to decide whether they want to as well, basically. Right, right. if um, it goes the full way around, yeah. Yes, yes. I just mean that, like, the speaker, whenever it's their turn to play cards, there are five other players that are going to have to decline before they do, whereas that sixth, that person to the right of the speaker, when it's their turn, they're going to have to be like, okay, so if I don't if I don't do this, then yeah. this is it, and nobody's playing any riders, right? right. Which is which there's some power there, there's some power to that as well, but it also sometimes can feel very scary and restrictive. Uh, yeah. So yeah, let's let's dig into a little bit uh, now, kind of more, just like things to keep in mind. These are like I would say tips. These aren't like strategies, but this is like what are what are the things to like keep in mind? Uh, I think the biggest thing is. And if you're early on in TI, there's a ton of agendas. There's no way you've looked at all of them. You haven't memorized all of them. No mm-hmm. one expects you to. That's not really fair. Uh, and that's the same thing with all the action cards. That's kind of the other reason this method is useful for regulating when things happen because it's really easy to just forget timing windows. So no one is expecting you to have all of these things memorized. But let's give you those tips that because maybe you don't know everything, you need to keep in mind that these types of things might come up. What's the right. most important rule of the first agenda, Hunter? Um, you should always save one of your votes for the second agenda. So if you are, you know, uh, if, if this is trying to get, you're trying to make an agenda go your, your way, um, sure, throw down your votes. This is an important vote to you. Do not throw every single vote down because you need to save one for the, well, there are several agendas that you need to save it for. Um, we can kind of, um, I don't know. So, so. What do you feel like is the most important agenda to save this vote for? Well, Matt? the big the big thing is there are a there are a handful of agendas where you only get the perk of the agenda if, if you, you were a voting member, if you were a part of that vote. The biggest thing being something like um, mutiny. Mutiny is a, a thing where, well, actually, mutiny doesn't even apply. It's a seat of an empire. I'm getting the two confused. One of those two is anybody who voted for gains a point, and anybody who voted against like loses a point or gains a point or whatever but the point being the only way you can earn that point is if you put one vote in right 
So yes. you need that vote available to be able to jump on the bandwagon. Yes. It's it's the worst feeling in the world to only have 12 votes, spend all 12 votes on a big agenda in the first one, and then the second one is a vote that is worth a point, and you are left by the wayside, and everybody else goes up a point except for you. Right. Uh, that's how Necro feels in every single agenda phase, basically, and you don't want to be Necro in the agenda phase. Right. Um, yeah, I think, I think this is a really kind of nitpicky uh, tip, but... If you ever mess this up, it will literally cost you a point. Yep. So you don't you don't want to do that. You yeah, don't want to yeah. do that. Um, uh, one that's like I think a little more obvious than the one vote thing is you should really save your writers for the for or against agendas. Yeah. Um. All most all of the other agendas have too many possible outcomes for you to be able to meaningfully predict it with a writer now obviously right. there are some edge cases to this idea um but screw those doesn't matter right now yeah for new players <laughs> we're talking at the most basic level yeah, yeah yeah we're talking about at the most basic level the for and against agendas are the juicy ones to throw your your writers out because there's only two outcomes um and it's generally going to be easier for you to look at the look at the group of people and decide hey this is this is how this is going to play out. So I'm going to throw my writer on against because I feel like nobody wants this. So here we go. Right. And to piggyback off of that, it, it is very often kind of useful to save your writers until you have two of them and then play a writer on either side. The whole point being the second you've cut yourself out of a vote, you've cut yourself sort of out of the outcome of that vote, right? You've mm -hmm. just, you, your pot committed to the against and hopefully right. your against has it. But if you save writers and you're not super, super invested in getting all of the value out of every single writer, you can get assured value by playing one writer for and writer one writer against and that way no matter what happens i'm not voting but i'm getting something out of it and and i'm just i'll just walk away from here it's a very nice safe spot to feel like that you are in also i want to throw in that as people start throwing like there's there are plenty of times that uh, an agenda will come out and it just doesn't matter to anybody it's not important right. but it is a for and against so yeah. all of the writers start coming out right <laughs> and playing your writers on either side is smart if essentially what you're doing is reading the the votes um as yes. the writers are coming out what's nice about everyone playing writers is that less people can vote so it right. becomes a little easier to predict how it's actually going to turn out as the writers go so it's right. definitely not bad play to to jump on either side of an agenda. Yeah. Uh, if They're, anything, sometimes some players specifically plan to do it that way, yes. where they are trying to throw um, throw all of the weight onto the other side of an agenda so that they can play their other rider, and now it's tricky. Now yes. we don't know what to do. Yeah, the biggest spot that this comes into play is with the two riders, Imperial Rider and Political Rider. These are the two most powerful riders, and they're the two that are people are most um, opinionated on. Uh, because the, the political writer is going to move the speaker token. So there's one player that's going to get absolutely screwed over by it, and there's a bunch of players that are going to be like, oh, I'm going to be one step closer to speaker or two steps mm -hmm. closer to speaker or whatever right. Right. for this next strategy phase. So people really care about the outcome of that. And if you can put a political writer on one side that gets people really riled up and then do an imperial writer on the other side, now there's no good option for them, and you have a better chance of getting that imperial writer to pop off because there's going to be a bunch of people who are not interested in seeing the speaker token 
one move, so they'd rather just go ahead and give you one point than screw up their entire next round. Or vice versa. I mean, you almost never want to waste an Imperial Rider, and that's sort of the main reason you're doing it. But you can do that with anything, too. If If you have three Riders, you drop a Trade Rider and a Tech Rider against, and then an Imperial Rider for, it's sort of, they have to look at it and go, so do we give them a point, or do we give them a lot of money and another tech? It, it sort of, you know, throws everything out of out of whack uh, when you when you do a play like that. So it's very very useful to to hold on to riders until really valuable moments when you can kind of spend all of them at once. Sure, the that's a very good way to do it. Another way, uh, another good way to think of the imperial rider sometimes is as a way to counterbalance an agenda that is not going to go well for you specifically. Yes, absolutely. Um, if there is an agenda that comes out that like, oh, this is going to hurt me and only me. Um, like let's say your Ghost of Krius and the wormhole stuff comes out and it's going to blow up all your stuff. Um, putting an Imperial Rider on that outcome is going to make them think twice about it. Um, yep. And it also, let's say they decide to do the thing that hurts you anyways, now you got a point out of it. So you, so thinking about the Imperial Rider as like something to dissuade people is yeah. I think just as effective because it is pretty difficult to get an imperial writer to go your way absolutely Um, the case you're describing where you have imperial writer and political writer is kind of like the magic christmas land of writers well but even more so it doesn't even have to be that you had the political writer but also you can hold on to that imperial writer until someone plays the political writer of course people have an opinion about that political writer and you can leverage that in some way or another yeah yeah, but in general, in a, you you need to be careful with your imperial rider. People are generally not going to give it up uh, yeah. very very easily. The, the other thing too, though, uh, imperial rider is about the only one I would say people are willing to spend a sabotage on. Sometimes that political rider can get a sabotage out, but almost always, if the imperial rider goes down and you're playing with experienced players, someone at that table is going to go, uh, "Okay, does anybody have a rider? I mean, a, a sabotage to stop that?" Because a lot of people yeah. are not even interested in seeing the vote change because what happens to the vote is it goes from being about a or b to being about do we give this person a vote or not and you everyone ceases to care about what the agenda was about it is now right. about you getting it's just a about point. a point yeah right that's it. and so a lot of people will just get that out of the way by straight up sabotaging it if you can yep. sabotage a point that that's a valuable sabotage to be honest that that right. is a great use of sabotage so that's the other thing to be careful with with the imperial writer and even more reason to not have that be the only thing you played on that if you played something else and the imperial writer you might get that Imperial Rider sabotaged, but at least you might still get the other thing that you have. Right, right. I think in general, a good way to think about the Imperial Rider is if, like, let's say if I had a bunch of riders and they were all, like, you know, just all of the, like, Trade Rider, Tech Rider, Construction Rider, whatever. I had I had all the ones that are, like, they're good, they're fine, but they're not going to win mm-hmm. you the game. What I feel like you do is you just throw all of them down on one outcome and then Imperial Rider by itself on the other outcome. Absolutely. That is a crazy play. To, to make it where, like, you either give me all of the goodies, all of them. Right. Or, or you give me goodie. a point, yeah. yeah. Or the big goodie. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting treats regardless. You right. know, trick or treat, trick or point, basically. Yeah. However you want to do it. I, I actually, Halloween jokes should be, they're done. Out. Now. I don't know. Halloween why I'm doing is any. over. <laughs> That's way over at this point. It's the um, fifth. So, so the next kind of big action card to talk about how do we how do we deal with it how do we work around it is a way less important one. The writers are like all agenda phase, right? That mm-hmm. more more agenda phase. 
phases revolve around writers, then I would say they even revolve around the votes that are happening for the agendas themselves. Right. So often it's like all about the writers. So the other things that can impact stuff is the question of when do we use our veto? We have mm-hmm. if, if you got lucky to draw the only veto in the deck, that's a powerful tool, but it can also be really tricky to find the right timing of when to to kind of get it used uh because right. especially as a newer player we don't know all the agendas that could come up so is it worth just go ahead and spend it to see another agenda eh, i don't care about that one let's see another one is is that a good use of veto right um i mean i think the most obvious time to play veto is when you are the person that the agenda is going to specifically crush when you are the person with you know 15 trade goods and economic equality comes out and yep. nobody else has any trade goods. And so they're all going to be very happy to watch your trade right. goods go right down the toilet. Right. Um, then, yeah, that's a, that is a good time for veto. That is, that is a time where that is what veto is made for. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that is the, 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 the intended design of veto. Uh, right. to, to also point out, an aspect, you mentioned economic equality, and that is, I would say economic equality is the most vetoable Uh, agenda because with any other agenda the vote matters in a big way because the bad thing can happen or the bad thing might not happen and that's something you always have to weigh with veto is like oh if if it went this way i would be crushed it would actually absolutely destroy me but there might be plenty of situations where four of the players at the table would be crushed by that agenda so there's no point in worrying about it because they're not going to let that happen of course uh but with economic equality the four is everyone loses all of their trade goods period and the against is everyone loses all of their trade goods period and then gains five so no matter what if you have a stack of trade goods and economic equality hits the table they're gone mm-hmm. just like all the way done completed like there's right. there's no avoiding an economic equality right so for me if i get veto i am most often just holding on to it for that single agenda because it's just right. the most terrifying thing that can happen to you and and you know i will say like veto is one of those cards where if you think about it in terms of just you as an individual, you are likely not going to have a very good opportunity to play it for yourself. I mean, like, the agenda deck is just a random swerving thing. The idea that there's going to be an agenda that comes out that you're like, oh, my God, I really need to use this veto right now. That's not going to happen all the time. But if you think about it like this, I need to pay attention to if any agenda comes out that is going to specifically hurt one or two yeah. players because yeah. you need to try and take advantage of uh, getting paid to play it. That is that right. is the thing about veto. Otherwise, there's no point in having it in your hand. You might as well just get rid of it and get right. a different card instead. But if an agenda comes out that that is going to specifically target one player, um, that sounds like a situation where they are kind of at your mercy and yep. you've got the way out for them, so they need to pay you, and you need to bargain with them, for yeah. sure. And and even on top of that, you might find people who are going to pay you not to play it, because that person is in the lead, and they want to see them crushed. Basically, the moment an agenda comes out where somebody's getting hurt really bad, that veto should make you some money. And, sure. it, and you should not try to just get, like, a dollar off of veto. Mm-hmm. When you're waiting for veto to make you absolutely bank. The, way, the biggest way to think about it is, let's say a player is going to lose 
$15 worth of units because it's going to blow up Mechatol Rex or it's going to blow up units in wormholes. They're going to lose a lot of stuff and it's going to basically decimate their game. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's going to cost them 15 trade goods to do that. Okay, well, as long as you get five or six trade goods off of them, they are making profit. Like they're right. not, you know, not profit, right. but they're, they, they will pay that because... The alternative is much, much, much worse. So that's the terms you have to think on with veto is. And if it's two people, if both of them will trade you five bucks to play that veto, that that is a realistic thing that could happen. Maybe five is steep from two people and they're going to give you pushback. There's always the argument of like, hey, that person's in the lead anyways. You should be playing. It's your obligation. But don't listen to that. You should get paid because you have all of the power here. And as long as it's not something that directly helps you, you know, the the only reason you wouldn't veto it is if that $15 worth of units are directly next to your stuff. Right. And then people sort of have that argument, but in general, you should get paid to either pay or uh, play or not play that veto. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think of it like this, like uh, public execution comes out and we're looking at Isarl. Um, that's a situation where I think it kind of comes down to like Easy Sorrel running away with this game. Then right. I don't know. Um, yeah. If if they've got a lot of trade goods, it's real tempting to just try and sell that veto and let Isarl keep all of their action cards. Right. Um, yeah. But absolutely. you do you do really have to weigh that stuff. Um, is it worth it to you to get some trade goods right now, or is it worth it to pop probably stop Isarl from winning the game? Yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with where you are at in your game. If yeah. I'm if I'm neck and neck with Isarl, I probably want them to lose all of their action cards. Absolutely. But if well, I'm towards the bottom, I probably just need the money, you know? Yeah. And, and all of this is part of like what makes it kind of impossible to like really nail down a singular agenda phase strategy. The agenda phase is all about looking at the board state and analyzing what could or couldn't happen. There's there yeah. are no there's no black and white answer to any of this. Right. It's all just about trying to take advantage of opportunities. Uh, to to keep in mind too, like you ha- you have to even consider like how big is your hand size right now with veto. If you've got seven cards in hands in your hand and the rest of them are pretty good, I mean that it might be worth it to try to just get that veto out of there uh, so that you're not burning it later. It is better to spend the veto and get two or three trade goods, which is less than you would love to get, but that's better than just discarding it because you broke your hand limit and all of your other cards are more useful later. So as your hand fills up, veto does kind of lose value. So you're looking for those late game moments where it's really a big deal, but at a certain point, there is a cutoff on veto's ability to, to change the game and make you a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, it's everything about this topic is very contextual, and it really, yeah, uh, it's it's really about your standing in the game, where everybody else is, and all of these uh, variables. Um, do we want to go ahead and move on to quash? Because uh, I want to I, I want to say one up. more thing, and it, it'll segue into quash, which is just to say, once veto has happened. Uh, this is also kind of a moment where sabotage has a lot of power. Oh, and right, uh, yes. the, anyone who has sabotage after someone uses veto, veto should make a point to say, okay, hey, is everyone comfortable? Maybe veto just got paid a bunch. Does anyone want to pay me to sabotage that veto? Does the person that really wants to see this agenda go through want to still see it go through because I could save you? Uh, I would not just play the sabotage unless like you are the one being directly affected by it. But there's always an opportunity for a person with sabotage to make a lot of money when veto gets played. It goes both ways. So very much worth thinking about that. But that is way more of a risk. Uh, you, I, it's, I it's think much if anything, 
that the the fact that it might get sabotaged anyways afterwards is yeah. all the more reason to wheel and deal with the veto in the first place. Yes, because absolutely. we've got this situation where oh, this one player is kind of at your mercy. They need this veto. Okay, they give you the trade goods. You play the veto. Now all of the other players can be like, all right, do we want to make a sabotage happen? Right. Right. Um, and do our deals with each other. And then now you got a little bit of something and one of the other players got hurt. That honestly, when you play veto for somebody else's behalf, it would be awesome if it got sabotaged. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Basically. I, I would say the person playing the sabotage, I don't know, sabotage for a veto, that better be a real good agenda that needs right. to happen. You know, and right. it's also better be really obvious what is going to happen. Yeah. The idea of playing a sabotage and then the agenda doesn't even work out the way it's supposed to right. anyways. I don't know. That's yeah. that's it's a like, bit much. It's like sabotaging it when it's Ixty and Artifact, and it's like, oh yeah, you want to see the bomb go off and kill everything on Mechatol, but don't forget that there's a 50% chance that everyone's just getting tech. So right. it might not all pay off for you anyways. Or like uh, a situation where you've, you've spent a sabotage, and now that person that is going to get hit by it had an Imperial Rider. Yeah. They throw that down. Now we're, you know, there's too many things that could happen in between you playing the sabotage and things going the way that yeah. we think they're going to go. Absolutely. Uh, so let's talk about Quash then. Quash is the uh, better veto, basically. It can't be sabotaged. Uh, you just have to have you have to be extra, and you have to have uh, command counters in your strategy pool to do it. But other than mm -hmm. that, you're you're doing the exact same thing. Um, I basically think of Quash as the same as veto, but a little bit more sellable. But it's probably a little bit cheaper, typically, than someone's going to get for playing Veto. Uh, it, the main thing is you have to think about it. If it's costing you a command counter, that's three influence uh, plus, you know, the the amount of time it, you know, kind of takes you to get that command counter, like having to do it off of leadership right, and all right. that. There's there's a cost that is innate with Quash, whereas Veto is just the card that I'm spending. Yeah, so and Veto might be to, there, there might be situations where Veto is you don't even really care about it. You know, right. like we described a situation where you just need to get veto out of your hand anyways. Yeah. So you're probably willing to deal, you know, it for a cheaper price. What I think kind of sucks about Quash is Quash always costs the same. Like contextually, yep. it's always a command counter. And I mean, there might be games where an extra is like way ahead on influence and they don't really care. It still costs them the same amount right. of stuff, though. And and so. essentially, when you're playing extra, it just more or less is your job to try and milk that ability. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's not the most amazing ability, but the biggest thing about it is you have to be active with it. You can't. It's not something that's just going to happen. You you got to put effort into making it work for you. So right. yeah, be be always looking for opportunities where it, it might even be a little bit. It's just going to kind of hurt someone. With veto, it's more about is this going to truly crush someone. With quash, I think of it more about like uh, who's this negative for? Can I convince them to yeah. to let me quash it? Yeah. Yeah, but and 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 just with the understanding that if you are making less than three trade goods off of it. That you're you're technically losing money, yeah. But you are I don't know in in a in a unaligned magi sense of the of the term that's really bad. But you could also be thinking of it more like oh I want to turn this command counter into two trade goods because I need yeah. to use it for something completely different and that's fine. It, right. I don't know. It just depends on how you approach it. Some people yeah. would basically never 
sell quash for less than four dollars i guess yeah um, that seems high and I it's just yeah it's it's hard to it, it's a hard ability to use nevertheless mm-hmm. um let's talk about another hard ability to yeah, use in a really almost never way. see but yeah. yeah uh the promissory note political secret everybody has one uh some metas give it a, away way too frivolously some are very tight chested with it because as we've explained in previous episodes it really only can hurt you to give it out it, it can kind of only be a bad thing for you when, right. once you've given it away. And it costs the person playing it very, very little to go ahead and use it. Um, so political secret is to prevent someone from not only voting, but using any abilities or playing any action cards during a vote. It is when an agenda is revealed, so it's before the writer timing. Uh, the big thing to note with political secret is, depending on the speaker order, you might, if you're sitting after extra extra can quash before you play their political secret right. if you're sitting before extra you can play political secret and keep extra from from quashing so that the wins get really important that's why it's very important to do that in order because what people are allowed to do matters when political secret is coming out uh, but then even more so I like to think of political secret less as preventing someone from being allowed to vote and more about preventing someone from possibly being able to play writers mm-hmm it is a little bit more valuable. The only exception to that is when it is a vote to earn that person a victory point, right? The, the agendas we talked about earlier where as long as you vote, you get a point. That's a great time to k- kick one person that's out. That's like okay, the we, perfect time that's, to that's, play that's, political that's, that's crucial. The second best is, well, I don't want to risk them playing any writers. Right. Yeah, I would, I would say it's just so contextual how you decide to use political secret. Yeah. Um, and Because, I mean, there are some... There are even factions where their political secret has like a completely different bent than others. You just yeah. don't you don't think about it a lot because it's just not a very popular promissory note. Right. But like Winnie Sorrel, it just occurred to me Winnie Sorrel gives out political secret. Uh, that's way better and way more likely to be a bigger deal than other players because Isarl has no hand limit on their action cards, meaning right. the likelihood if you're just picking stuff. a random player to political <laughs> yeah. secret. Uh, let's just do a sorrel because they probably have a couple writers. So right. there you exactly. go. Uh, so the the other thing within that too is I would always use political secret as a threat rather than just playing it because all you're really doing when you play that political secret is like saying, well, I hope they don't have any writers. And if they do, me using this is kind of a, a bust. So mm-hmm. what you're really trying to do with political secret is extort that player, right? That That's the way you approach using it is to say, hey, I am going to use this political secret on you unless you want to pay me. Uh, and if they are super like, eh, I don't care, maybe you don't play it. Maybe they're maybe they're like playing Princess Bride against you and like, oh, maybe I'm, you think I'm thinking this and I'm actually thinking that. You know, it becomes a whole head game. But in general, you don't want to play that political secret when it wouldn't do anything to them anyways. You right. want to make sure it it, it matters. Um, but you have, to, you have to do it before you know if they definitely have any writers or not. Right. Um, yeah, I would say that uh, I would hate to be in a game where someone had my political secret and they kept doing that, like with yeah. every agenda, just being like, do you want to vote in this? Because I need a trade good if you right. if you if this is important to you. Um, so I don't know. But I mean, it does make sense thematically because it's like blackmail, right? So yeah. you've got yeah. this blackmail on them and then, you know, you got to extort. That's how that's how you're going to get the most out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other thing to kind of note is political secret is is worded a little bit weird. And basically, there's been some specific errata come out about it to to clarify it because it says the players cannot use their like faction abilities, which 
could be taken a lot of really weird ways that don't make any sense in the context of an agenda phase. So the way to think about it is it's really only canceling abilities that you can actively use during an agenda phase. And that really right. only amounts to Extra's quash and Necro's ability to predict an outcome for attack, right? It doesn't, when you cancel Necro's abilities, it doesn't grant them the ability to vote, obviously because the card also just doesn't let them vote. But in general, it's canceling their ability to make that writer style prediction. Mm -hmm. What you can't do, and I've seen people try to argue this is, and, and this is eventually why the errata had to come out, is people tried to argue that you could play Political Secret and that that would cancel Barony of Letnev's Armada ability that grants them 2 plus fleet supply. <laughs> Which meant, oh, Barony, I played Political Secret on you. Blow up now ships now you have to blow up a bunch of ships all over the board. And it was like, wait, what? Why does this have anything to do with what's happening in this Political Secret? Like, right. what is? How does this apply? Well, it doesn't. And you're trying to be a Munchkin and and do really, really weird things. With yeah, the game, that's one that, that only not... makes sense as a Munchkin thing, and definitely yeah. does not make sense thematically in the game. Like, what right. would that even be? That's happening. Like, exactly. How would that even make any sense? <laughs> Just the, just the craziest, like, terrorist bomb ever imagined. Just yeah. many, many ships all blowing off at once at, right. at a, a, a convening galactic council. Right. I, honestly, uh, I think when we talk about Political Secret, I think is when uh, it, it really... I think we just nailed some pretty solid examples of why um, doing it the kind of more meticulous way that we outlined at the beginning of the episode is important because there are straight up... Like, if you are doing it all willy-nilly, then there are some things that abilities that aren't even going to make sense so right. like if you want to try and use political secret before quash to stop extra from quashing this if you don't got if you guys don't do it in the right order then you won't be able to do that and right. it won't make any sense yeah. basically it, it breaks the entire understanding of how those two abilities work with each other so yeah, yeah all, all that totally. timing is very important so let's steer a little bit away from like tips and strategy and let's start to talk about agenda phase etiquette yeah, because it's it is a it is a phase of the game that lives and dies by etiquette. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it, there's a lot of ways to do it wrong, and there's a lot of ways to get through it quicker than um, you, you you know than is necessary. Like it, this thing can take way longer than is necessary, and you can do a lot of you can behave a certain way so that that is not the case. Right. Um. So one of one of the main I think goals of this next little section of the. Uh, of the episode is to just basically say don't arbitrarily slow things down let's try and keep the agenda phase moving in a way that is logical um and let's not talk just for talking's sake um it, and there's a couple reasons for this one it's just good etiquette um yeah the agenda phase is a is a phase of the game that can really slog sometimes and get yeah. really really slow and tends to kind of take people out of the game but the other thing is that strategically we, if we talk to an extent where we are kind of giving away, we're kind of showing our hand a little bit, yeah. um, then you will kind of lose control of the agenda. Uh, as soon as you've kind of just like laid your hand out and everybody knows what you want and why you want that, then you kind of have less control of the situation. And I think I see a lot of agenda phases where people kind of, they try and talk with the whole table at the same time to try and control it. And in the end, they kind of just give away exactly right. where they are at with the agenda, which makes the other players have an easier time of like figuring out what they need to do in order to make the agenda yeah. go the way that they want, basically. Right. 
I see a lot of people just try to get cute and and basically this isn't meant as an insult, but I see a lot of people who basically consider themselves like a little FBI interrogator as though they just can totally see through everybody and can make all these really crazy meta things happen as long as they basically like filibuster the agenda phase. And right. that's that is not as much of the case as maybe you think it is. And it is better if we just sort of get through it because there's lots of things where a person cannot make the decision you're trying to have them make until the right moment has come up. So the, the, the way to think about it is like, oh, I want I want to secure this person's votes. Well, that person probably doesn't know how they want to vote until they've seen all the people that are supposed to vote before them go. Right. They just exactly. can't make that call yet. So it's not valuable to waste everyone's time with you trying to negotiate with that person when we haven't even gotten to the moment where they can properly make an informed decision. Right. Um, so... The number one thing with the agenda phase is basically there isn't technically an active player like there is in the um, action phase where it's one person's turn. You can you can trade at any time. There's it's it's a nebulous thing that's happening, but you can think about each person's turn to either play a card or give a vote. They are the active player, and, and the way to frame that is. The only person that can be made a binding deal is the person whose turn it is to do the thing, right? right. If, you, if you are three people away from voting, I could say, hey, I want to buy your votes for two trade goods. If you give those two trade goods right now, it's non-binding. Why would they do that? So why waste your money until instead you could wait till their turn to vote and go, okay, it is now your turn to vote. I want to offer you two trade goods to abstain. Right. Now – it will actually be binding and you didn't waste everyone's time having that conversation before it was relevant. So right. that's why that procedure is doubly important and why someone should be regulating it and saying, okay, it is extra's time now to vote so that everyone can redirect their attention towards extra. And if any deals need to happen, they're only happening with extra because extra's vote is the only one that matters right now. Right. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of this, um, a lot of the breakdown has to do with like people kind of trying to form, you know, let's say, Extra and Hakan have a bunch of votes. Um, is everybody else going to be able to kind of form a little voting block to be able to stop them? And when that happens, I think the most efficient way to process that is trying to get everyone on board one at a time. What is your price? What, what do you need to get to be a part of this? Um, because if you try and put together the block all at the same time, uh, First of all, it's not really supported by the rules yeah. in that it technically can be broken, although I would say that is really crummy um, when that <laughs> right. happens. Like, yeah. that is that is a huge bummer if people are like, well, that technically wasn't binding. I got yeah. your trade goods. I'm just going to do whatever I want now. Um, or even what I have seen sometimes is you're trying to put together this block, this team, and people kind of agree to stuff, but the, the, they don't actually do the deal yet. And yeah. then when it's their turn to vote, they're like... Well, actually, I've already made a deal that you guys didn't know about with the other block, and I'm going to abstain or whatever. Right. Stuff well, like the, that. The biggest example of this is, let's say the agenda has just been revealed, and we're like, oh, man, me and Sardak and Barony, this doesn't look good for us. Let's try to formulate a block. But then during the afters, a couple people play writers, it'll completely change the context. That like The stakes will change as you go through the process anyways. Yes. So there's no value in sitting there going, all right, we got to coordinate our votes and we got to coordinate who's doing what and how to do it. Because 
if so-and-so plays their Imperial Rider, well, it's not about that thing anymore then. Now it's about their point, and we got to deal with that. And we wasted 10 minutes talking about how we were going to strategize against this vote when it just wasn't even relevant yet. Right, and it just changed completely. Yeah, so I'll say this. This kind of relates to some a point made much earlier in the episode. A lot of what pre-negotiation type tactics where you're trying to get ahead of everything really ends up being angle shooting that you are just allowing the other players to do on you because you are, if you pre-negotiate, you're basically saying you might be revealing things like, Oh, I don't have a writer because otherwise why, why would I be trying to pre-negotiate this? Um, Or I, I definitely don't have veto because I'm already trying to say, Hey, well, like this is really bad for me. How do I make this happen? So I think, Thinking about the agenda phase in terms of like when things occur is a really good guide point to like when should I try and make my move on this agenda phase? I think a lot of times people, when people make mistakes in the agenda phase, it's because they're not being very, um, they're not executing their plan in like a, I'm going to talk at this point because now I know all the information I need to know. So now I can try and get these votes for things to go this way. Yeah. So yeah, and try this, try not to speak out of turn or out of phase. Yeah. Basically. This isn't to discredit. Like I understand the situation of like I'm first to vote, and I actually have a really big vested interest in this going a specific way. Um, what I always run into in that situation is like I don't know how I'm possibly going to pay like three people after me to do what I want to to make the vote actually happen my way. And I get needing to talk through that before you even commit your votes in a certain way. You don't want to just commit the votes and not have sort of worked out the deals with other players. But to a certain extent, you have to make that commitment anyways. Like, it's not going to happen unless you put the votes down regardless. So there's a little bit of just, like, you have to set some of your expectations aside and go with, you know, you know, making, making the decisions quickly just so that you can get stuff done. Obviously, anyone later in the voting order has more power. So yes. you just have to accept that uh, because, and, and play into that more than anything else. Yeah, and I think I think when people play more into the the order of things, they just they make smarter decisions and they make faster decisions. Yeah. Because yeah, like 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 we said before, the agenda phase can change a lot and there's really no way to know everything. There's no way to get all of the players if like let, yeah, let's use that example you were just talking about of like I'm first up to vote. You can't really force the other five players to reveal their hand to you. Right. Like, you can't do... There's no way to get them to do that. Right. And I have seen a lot of situations where people are trying to just kind of talk their way into that situation. And if the other players don't want to do it, it's not going to happen. Your filibuster is going to make really no difference there. Well, and the bigger thing, too, because I used to do this all the time, and it never worked. It's, it's It's a failed attempt almost every time to be like, okay, I need all three of you to do this thing. How can I work out everything with all of you? That that just doesn't work. Instead, the only way I've ever seen it succeed is, okay, I'm voting my way. Uh, and then the next person that where their votes count, you go, okay, you, I want you to vote my way. I, I ha- I'll offer you this. And hopefully they take it. And then if they do, then the next person comes up and goes, okay, I also need you to vote my way. I will give you this. Like you just need to, in your own head, think what each person's votes are worth and make them the deal. And right. they take it or they don't. You can't sit there and just like talk them into it in most cases. Sometimes there's conditions on the board that let you do that. But 
you need to do it one at a time because there's almost no way you're going to form a coalition because the more you push, if anything, the weaker it makes you look in that agenda phase and the more people go, well, he really doesn't want this to happen. Maybe we should just let it happen because it's going to hurt him and that's probably better for all of us in the long run. Right. But if you just, at each person's moment, let them know what you're willing to pay them, now it is a one-on-one transaction that they can make lucrative for themselves rather than a please everyone help me accomplish this big goal i have i have this huge huge thing i'm trying to accomplish people don't want to take you up on that but people will take you up on a i'm giving you x for y also like i think sometimes people talk more than they should spend time just reading the situation like we've been saying a lot of the stuff that happens in the agenda phase is contextual so like if you kind of look at the agenda, I'm like, all right, well, how do these people feel? A lot of times you can kind of tell. And like people do a lot of poker face stuff in the agenda phase yeah. where, they, where they will pretend they feel one way. But if you look at their board state, a lot of times you can tell what is going to be the best for them, regardless of what they say. Right. Um, so trying to lean into that as much as possible instead of like, there's so many variables here. How do I get to just talk my way through all of it? A lot of times that just that takes up time and 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 it also just like doesn't really feel like it serves the player that well. Um, right, right. If yeah. this is important to you, it's going to probably be pretty obvious that it's important to you. If it isn't, same same deal basically. Yeah. This this is an important point that kind of transitions transitions us into the idea of I think we've all seen this during an agenda phase, which is it gets to someone's turn and they go, all right, I don't really care about this. Who wants to buy my votes? And they just make it this kind of like open-ended question. And in some contexts, that's it really annoys me when that happens because it's just sort of like, okay, so you're just open-ended fishing for, for money. Can't you look at the board and see who needs what and make them the offer, right? It's in most agendas, you can look at it and go, hey, that person is the one who's getting affected by this. I need to make a deal with them. I don't need to just sit there and go, who wants to buy my votes? And kind of sit there and wait and hope someone approaches the deal, even though I'm not even technically making a deal. What you, the the better way to make that big open-ended question is, all right, I want two trade goods to vote however you want me to vote or whatever. Like put an offer on the table and then let it auction if you want to from there. If people really care, they can take it where they want. Um, Hunter, you had an argument in favor of the who wants to buy my votes, and it's it's equally conditional, and I think it's worth right. breaking down. So I think who wants to buy my votes uh, is fine to say on the condition that it is a nothing burger agenda yep. that where you have literally no idea who would want this or why, basically. If you are just completely yeah, – if you are just lost in the desert yep. um, and if someone just hands you a trade good, you will just vote and get this done. Right. Um, then sure, you say that. But I will say a lot of times people think that is the situation, and if they paid a little closer attention, it isn't really right. the situation. Um, but yeah, I th- I think I think the second you say who wants to buy my votes, you kind of have set the price at one trade good. Yeah. And it's not going to well go up You might as well say that. Yeah, yeah, you might, you, as, you well might say, as well just say that. You might as well say, I don't really care who wants to give me a trade good for, for this vote. Um, because again, if you're trying to fish more, it, it, the main thing is it's just wasting time. Of you sitting there, anyone, anyone, anybody want to buy my votes? Yes, no, maybe. But if you just set it at a dollar 
and then maybe someone takes you up on it, that's then maybe your opportunity to go, okay, it's $1 to them unless anyone else has anything to say. And if not, we're moving on. Uh, But that puts the onus on everyone else to like, oh, I need to make that decision quickly. I need to pull the trigger on it. And if anything, that might work out better for you because people needing to make a decision quickly might make them make a mistake like maybe they they will pay too much for it or or at the very least they won't think through it in every way and they just have to go ahead and ah, i just have to decide if i'm doing it so if you start that countdown timer yourself you might get more money than you would have if you just sat there being like anybody want to buy a vote if you go one trade good for my vote three two one no all right move on it's fine you don't have to make money every single vote that comes up right so when your votes don't matter sometimes they truly just don't matter Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and I, I also think like a lot of times people, what they're, what the goal is, is to kind of talk your way out of the weakness of being earlier in the order of voting. But the fact of the matter is sometimes you just can't. Like sometimes it's a nothing burger agenda. You're first to vote. Nobody is going to pay you any money for this. Like there's no reason for them right. to do that. Um, so your votes are pretty much worthless unless you want to like just throw them away right. towards like one direction or the other. Especially uh, for all the reasons we've already said. If you're the first one in the voting order, why would someone pay you to vote when they need to see three more people vote to see what's even worth their votes? You know, yeah. if, if if the two people after you are going to vote in the way they want it to go anyways, there's no reason for them to have paid you. So right. depending on your order, you just have to sometimes accept I'm in a bad position. I have no leverage here. Might as well move on and hope for a better position next, next right, time. Right, right. And I mean, yeah, if you're if you are like second to last to vote, it's a completely different ballgame for you. Absolutely. And, and yep. you can. And I actually feel like a lot of the times what will happen, and I think this might be like a weird point for uh, the people that do this, is the the first couple to vote will basically filibuster or they'll just make it take a really long time. And then yeah. sometimes I will see... Um, people later in the order just kind of exhausted and not even care. And then they just end up giving it to the speaker or whatever. You know what I mean? I see that just as often, Um, which is weird because now it's kind of like I'm saying like, oh, maybe you should filibuster at the beginning (laughs) because it literally tires people out. But it is bad etiquette. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. It's it's not like the, the, it's not the intention of the game. The intention is the order really matters in the agenda phase. And the only way to overcome going up early in the order is having just a lot more votes than everybody else or like a D you know, all kinds of stuff. But, but just knowing that, Hey, if I'm first up and I got five votes and everybody else has like a normal amount of votes, this probably, I'm probably not getting anything out of this. And I'm probably not going to be able to walk away with this, getting things to go my way. So there you go. Yeah. And that etiquette thing kind of also applies to this, this other pet peeve I have, which is, the people who try to get paid to vote the way they were already going to vote. Yeah, that's interesting. And I get that being like a ploy, but it is still an etiquette thing of how much time of all of ours are you going to waste so that you get one trade good? Right. Is it really worth wasting 30 minutes trying to like condition all these people down into deciding, okay, fine, I'll give you a trade good, to have wasted that much time in this board game? I, I just don't think it is, and I don't think anyone had any more fun in the game for you to gain a dollar. Now, I get it if it's like a do or die, this vote determines like your game. It's going into the last round. I get trying to do everything you can uh, to get paid so that you can go into the next round with the correct amount of resources to accomplish stuff. But in general, 
it's it's not going to get you anywhere and you are literally only wasting everyone's time and most people can see through it because most people can read the table and go why wouldn't you want to vote for it you definitely want to vote for it and you're trying to get me to pay you to vote for it no just vote for it right and you're probably going to do that anyway to kind of try and, and to kind of try and translate this into just like advice make sure that if somebody's like trying to get paid to do something that it's not something that they just want to happen anyways. Like don't, right. Don't let them try and do that to you. And, and, and if they try call it out, you'd be like, Nope, you, this person wants this to go this way. Anyways, they have a vested interest in this going this way. Yep. We don't need to play along with this basically. Right. Right. I think that's, that's the way to affect, uh, those changes in the agenda phase is like recognize the play, call it out. And you know, and then we just kind of move on from there. Yeah, but yeah, well, it, this is the agenda phase is a really weird topic, uh, and I, and I would not be surprised if there's a lot of people listening to this that are like, I don't even get this. Why, yeah, you, this, this is overwhelming. You guys are talking about <laughs> this is not stuff that comes up in my group. This is one yeah. of those episodes where we're gonna get people saying, "Hey, this is not my group, and this yeah. doesn't really make sense." But what, what a lot of the stuff we're talking about is stuff that's really common in the TTS community. Yeah. Um, it's it's stuff it's stuff that that we see that. I feel like the strategic value of it has maybe been overestimated a yeah, little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the last little thing to to kind of cover here is, and this was just my last tip I thought of while we've been recording, is uh, before you finish up the agenda phase and you've done all of this, don't forget that uh, the agenda phase is the time of the game where you can do transactions with anyone. So while throughout the agenda phase you're maybe even doing transactions in you know, four votes and things like that. Don't forget, because this is something I do all the time, which is, oh, shoot, that was my opportunity to do like a two for two swap with that person across yeah. the board yeah. that just has some commodities sitting on their sheet. Right. Uh, d like, don't don't let this opportunity fall away from you to go ahead and get that kind of stuff done. There's basically, it is worth having part of the procedure be as soon as the second agenda is finished, before you go into that next strategy phase, it is not a bad idea to be like, okay, does anyone have any other business to take care of real yeah, quick? Do we want to just a, knock that, that out and then we can move into the strategy that's fantastic. phase? Uh, one thing I want to throw out real quick. So your, your limit in the agenda phase is one transaction with each player, correct? Or are there per, no limits on how many transactions? One transaction do? with each player per agenda. Per agenda. So that's technically two transactions. Oh, so you're fine. You've got more transactions available you're to fine. you than you're ever going to need. But I just wanted to throw that out there just so people remember yeah. that there is a limit if you come up with some, like a bunch of really crazy yeah. stuff. Don't yeah. try to do your like harebrained scheme to have so-and-so pay them and then they'll pay it to you uh -huh, and then you'll pay uh -huh. them. That, that kind of stuff doesn't work in the agenda phase. It's, it's, it is a one-to-one -one kind of thing. I will say this. I want to call it, because I, like, I feel like we maybe just sounded kind of grumpy about tts players and that i, I don't oh, want no, people thinking no. like oh i've what's seen their... it in person <laughs> no 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 yeah uh and and i love some of the people that that we play tts with um and one of the things that that they do that i had never occurred to me that i think is really cool is a lot of times early on before people are neighbors with everybody if somebody has the trade strategy card right they will just let people refresh for free with the promise and and that i've seen pe people will write it down frequently right um of hey, you owe me a trade good in the agenda phase. You know we're not neighbors currently, but you got to pay me one of those trade goods that I refresh yeah. for free, and that's just really smart. Like that's really right. really good play. You can make a couple extra bucks throughout the game, and it, yeah, and it's it's helpful. But don't forget to be honest about it. Yeah, and well, and also don't, don't pay, forget pay, pay to people. remind people that they can because yes. they're because they're gonna want to. They're either gonna legitimately forget or pretend to forget yes. so that they don't have to pay <laughs> you the one trade good they, they, they right. owe you. Um, so that, that's kind of everything I do want to, we said this earlier, but I really want to reiterate it. 
you do not have to follow any of these procedures. If your group gets through the agenda phase perfectly fine, don't feel like you have to change everything to follow this by the books method. Right. But it's worth saying it's what we are going to do the in the tournament. It's what we do in almost all of our games. It works for us uh, because of those weird circumstances that come up. But if your group is is a little bit looser group and is fine with just action cards flying and hitting the table, there's absolutely nothing wrong with playing that way. And we are not talking down to anybody who does that because yeah. it can in many ways be a much faster and more fun way to play so kudos to you for for you know your group being able to agree to stick to that the biggest thing being when those weird timing situations do come up it's important to then recognize the proper order and do it in order rather than being like no man we always just play it fast and loose it doesn't matter i just happened to do it before you did your thing no when when the political secret and the quash come out at the same time you should go into it and look at it from that procedure's order. So that's the only time it is important to at least know the procedure. You know, one thing that I miss from our own like meta when when we were just a group of kids playing TI together before it became this like bigger community, um, we had this like weird little house rule where it was yeah. like essentially the speaker had a gavel. Right. And whenever people would try and do that pre-negotiate stuff, it was kind of up to the speaker how much the speaker would allow that stuff. Yep. And if at any point the speaker was like, I'm done with people trying to pre-negotiate, they smack the gavel, uh, it is time to vote, and then we just go into the rigid, this right. person is voting right now, any deals, you need to resolve those right now because right. you need to vote. It, it's your it time came from some wording in the rulebook that essentially said the speaker gets to decide when to call it to a vote. And we took that very, very literally of the speaker shuts everyone up, everyone has to stop talking, it is now time to only vote and nothing else. Yeah. Uh, we don't play that rigidly anymore, mostly because in TI4 the writers have really changed up how the agenda phase truly works uh, mm -hmm. and you really have to consider and you have to talk through stuff more but it's worth noting that sometimes i wouldn't mind going back to that method of like nope no talking we are playing cards now and we are voting now that is it no there is no other if, if you didn't discuss it beforehand too bad and it, it, it's a fun way to give the speaker an a extra little extra amount boost, of power yeah, yeah it's mm -hmm. it's it's fun and it's worth trying out yeah i i think it would be man like i i wouldn't do this at this point because you know i we we strive to try and do everything uh by the book and you know like we want we want everything to be as fair as possible but what i would really i think would be really fun is if there was a group where the speaker decides like the norms for this agenda phase right basically. yeah yeah and all of that etiquette <laughs> etiquette stuff completely up to the speaker right um, within reason basically sure. um as far as like are people allowed to talk at all you know what i mean but, like yeah. there might be a speaker that's like nope no talking. You have yeah. to negotiate with your with basically, your hands. Basically, basically, the start of the agenda phase. It's like, okay, speaker, the council is yours. Yeah, and it's just <laughs> like they have to dictate everything that happens. Right, right. That sounds really fun. Uh, maybe we'll do that for like a stream or something. I think mm, so. Who knows? We always promise things that we'll do on stream, and then half of those things happen. Hey, that's, that's okay. about. We're about to fix that. Though. We're about it's, to fix it's that. Happening. Lots more streams. It's, it's to, getting to there. have those opportunities. Hey, if 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 you loved this show and if you wanted to uh, keep up with all of the tournament information as it's going to be coming up throughout this week, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Space Cats Pod or on Facebook, Space Cats Peace Turtles. Uh, you can rate our podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and that increases visibility so that more people can know about our tournament and we can have bigger and bigger tournaments and the, uh, the bragging rights can be that much of a bigger deal. Uh, you can now start following us on Twitch and YouTube, both Space Cats Peace Turtles. Uh, Hunter, you've got you're, we're working on getting like a pretty consistent schedule, but I know you're saying you're trying to get a stream going this week, right? 
Um, yeah. Tuesday? So, so well, <laughs> well, that, technically that's earlier today. So if you're Uh-oh. listening to this, <laughs> if you're listening to this uh, day of, I am on Twitch probably playing uh, with Root. Uh, for most of this uh, this TI Tuesday. So if you're listening to this the day we drop it, uh, check out the Twitch. Um, my tentative Twitch schedule, which is, I think, going to be ramping up um, this weekend, this coming weekend, yeah. is going to be a lot of Saturday, Sunday stuff. I'm going to be playing um, Twilight Imperium. I'm going to be playing Dune. I'm going to be playing Root, uh, all on TTS. Um, and you can depend on seeing me play uh, at least one game a, ga- a day, uh, if not two games a day, yeah. uh, if not even three games a day. De- <laughs> depend. Like my goal is to basically every weekend. If you want to see some Space Cats content on Twitch, you just tune in whenever, and I'm going to be there, basically doing stuff during the week. Um, you're kind of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. Uh, I'm probably going to be playing. More kind of off-topic stuff. That's when I would do stuff like the Pokemon Nuzlocke run that we have coming up. Um, I will probably occasionally do pickup games of TI. Um, All of that stuff will probably be a little more tentative, and you won't be able to just depend on it being like a specific time, mostly because what I'm I'm running into is a lot of you guys have jobs Monday through Friday that you guys do kind of (laughs) interesting. Um, And that becomes a little bit of a challenge when it comes to scheduling TI stuff. So right now... Get ready for me to be um, on Saturday and Sunday. Um, this this weekend in particular, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, um, on the 9th, Saturday, I have a comedy show kind of smack dab in the middle of the time that I would like to stream. Yeah. So that day will be a little bit weird, so we'll just kind of see how that goes. I m- you might not see me on that day at all, but on Sunday, the 10th, uh, I'm going to be up pretty early playing, and then all of the Saturdays and Sundays after um, after that, you can depend on me to be there, basically. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, you can also find our Board Game Geek Guild, boardgamegeek.com slash guild slash 3103. Uh, join our Patreon so that you can be in the tournament, so that you can be parts of votes for Galactic Council episodes like yes, this, yes. so that you can become a space kitty and have uh, your you know, be a part of your episode. We're going to start kind of expanding Space Kitties. We're actually kind of wildly behind on Space Kitty episodes, and it has just proved to be a thing that's very, very difficult to keep up with. But we want to expand that because a lot of players don't have an idea for an episode, but they do have an idea for a game they would like to see. So we're going to start incrementing. uh, We're going to put Space Kitty awards into Hunter's streaming schedule. So if there's specific Mm -hmm. types of games you just want to see played and you don't necessarily need an episode in the podcast dedicated to, those will also apply. So be creative. Think about all kinds of stuff you'd want to see. And if you are a Space Kitty level, you get to have that granted to you uh you can also join our discord uh conversations always gone on there there's going to be updates about the tournament going on there and it's where you get a lot of your patreon benefits and i just want to say it one more time just for the for the sake of getting it out there the tournament registration emails and patreon messages are going out on november 8th at noon pacific standard time get like if you you gotta get in there like because we it's gonna fill up y'all it's gonna fill up I yeah. bet. I mean, it's not going to fill up like, it's not like freaking Coachella or something in here. <laughs> but like, yeah, g- try and be hot on the trigger. We don't want people to get left out that are like really, really yes. trying to get into this tournament. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Uh, hi, my name's Hunter and I'm a stand-up comedian. Here is my kind of comedy roundup um, for the end of this show. I've got a lot of stuff going on in November, so I'm going to try and get through these dates as quickly as possible. But I do just want to say I really... Um, 
I have a lot going on right now, a lot on my plate, and I would love if some Space Cat fans would come out to any of these shows. I'd be super excited and super stoked to see that. Anyways, this week... I will be at the Pacific Crest Comedy Festival that is happening here in Portland. Um, My first show is on Thursday, November 7th at 7 p.m. It is called Earthquake Hurricane, which is a show I also co-host every week on Thursdays. Um, But we are getting a really cool festival spot with a lot of really cool out-of-town comedians. Um, That will be at the Siren Theater. Uh, Again, I said it starts at 7, and the tickets are $10 in advance, $15 at the door. Um, Just go to PacificCrestComedy.com to see uh, all the ticketing information. Uh, My other podcast, which is a true crime comedy podcast called Dumb and Busted, is going to be in the Siren Theater loft, um, which is like right above the Siren Theater, on that same day at 9 p.m., uh, so you can literally see me back to back doing my stand up and then also doing uh, my comedy podcast. Uh, the tickets for that are six dollars in advance, ten dollars at the door. Um, the other show that I'm doing for Pacific Crest is called the Hometown Heroes Show, which is going to be like a basically a showcase of local Portland favorites, a lot of really really funny people, um, and I'm hosting that show. That is also at the Siren Theater. That's on. Um, Saturday, basically, that week, which is the 9th. Um, And that is at 8 p.m., with the tickets being $8 in advance and $12 at the door. My friend uh, and very close uh, comedy partner, Alex Falcone, is leaving Portland and actually moving to L.A. because he's got some really cool opportunities coming up that I actually can't talk about at all. But he is a very, very funny guy. Um, he is having his going away show at the Helium Comedy Club on Sunday, November 24th at 7 p.m. Those tickets are $12. Um, I am doing another comedy festival at the end. We're almost done. Um, at the <laughs> end of the month, uh, that that show that uh, festival is called Ha Ha Harvest. Um, and currently, the tickets for that show, uh, they're not selling the individual tickets for these shows yet. They're only selling day passes and festival passes. But I on my... I currently understand that they will be selling individual shows, but also this is just a really cool festival. This one, they're the both the festivals I'm doing this month are really awesome. But Ha Ha Harvest is like really, uh, they've really got a lot of very cool people, including um, comedian Ron Lynch, who you might recognize as a voice actor from Bob's Burgers and Home Movies and a bunch of other stuff. And I'm actually hosting a show that he's going to be on, which is like such an honor for me to be able to work with that guy. He is so funny to me. Um, so the day passes for Haha ha Harvest are $29 if you just want, want to d- buy a pass to one of the three days. Um, or you can buy a festival pass for the entire festival for $49. So here we go. Here are my Friday shows for Haha ha Harvest. These happen on November 29th. Um, I'm doing a show called Comedy Cornucopia, which is the one that features Ron Lynch and a bunch of other like headlining comedians from around the country. Um, that show is at Siren Theater uh, at 6 o'clock p.m. Um, not a.m. That would be insane. Uh, the other show is called Synchronous With Me, which is at Kelly's Olympian, also on Friday, November 29th at 10 o'clock p.m. That show is also super cool. And I'm also on Ron Lynch with that show. Oh, I just realized that. Um, I get two shows with him in the one day. That's amazing. Um on Saturday, November 30th, I will be doing uh, Dumb and Busted again at Kelly's Olympian. Uh, that show starts at 4 o'clock p.m. Um, Spec Script, which is a show that I've been on twice now, which is a really, really funny show. Hey, I've been on it once, too. Yeah, and Matt has been on that show with me. Um, that is going to be 
that same Saturday, November 30th at 8.30 p.m., also at Kelly's Olympian. And then my final show, sorry this has taken so long, um, is on Sunday, December 1st. I will be on a podcast called Forgotten Fantasies, um, and that taping is at Kelly's Olympian uh, at 8 p.m. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Please Please come out to some of that <laughs> to justify all of all of me saying all of that. I love that we just spent a whole episode being like, please don't like take up a bunch of time just talking a <sighs> whole bunch. Oh and then God. we ended this episode with like five solid minutes of comedy stuff. But well, l- well, luckily, uh, if it's not obvious to everyone, that is a little bit part of why Hunter had to go full time. It's really not just for our show. It's also for like all of the billion other things going on in his life yeah, and, yeah. and just needing time to survive. Yeah. Uh, it's so. really heating up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so please, uh, please check out uh, some of that stuff. These are all really special shows that I don't normally get to do with like professional comedians that I do not normally yeah. get to work with. Um, so yeah, if you feel inclined at all, please check out literally any of those are all going to be super special. And I will say this starting next week, the Pacific Crest Comedy Th- Festival will be over. So this pitch will get shorter. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, man, I, I, I love and hate every time you talk about you getting to do stuff with Ron Lynch, because yep. uh, if people know anything about me, home movies is like my favorite TV show of all time ever. And you getting to do stuff with Mr. Lynch is like the coolest thing you do, Hunter. Just yep. so you know, that's it's, the coolest thing you do by a wide margin. <laughs> it's pretty, it's, it's pretty insane. Uh, he, like he, he loves Portland too, and comes up here a lot. Um, and he is super funny. Like all of his, all of his standup is like, really strange uh he does a lot of he does this bit where he does like a hall of president style thing where he <laughs> pretends to be like an animatronic like puppet thing while there's like stuff playing and it's so good and so funny i don't have a transition out of that yeah i think that well, i think that's fine yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh Oh my god! Yeah, I just talked about so much comedy stuff too. So much. go um, to our go to our iTunes and rate home movies. Rate the home yeah. the show home movies on our iTunes. Give it five stars. Talk please, about how it changed your childhood and defined who you are as a person. Please give us five stars <laughs> and list your favorite episode of the TV show Home Movies. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Love y'all. Peace. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.